You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 749. You have positivity in the sense that you can still make life great. So it doesn't mean that my life is necessarily easier, but it also means that my life is still worth it. So what I have to do is now use this. Mm-hmm. And most people don't realize that all the pain that they go through can, can become a purpose for their life. And um, you can utilize that to impact others and empower others. And that was what allowed me to get through what I was going through is not focusing on the thing, but focusing on what it can do for others. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. What's up, Rhinos? You're listening to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Hardy. And today we have a very special episode very inspirational person right here. We've got Miles Barrio and Miles is going to leave you shook. I think, I think at the end of this episode, you are going to feel very empowered, very inspired. Um, so I'm very, very excited and honored that Miles is telling his story. Um, Miles has a very incredible story that I'm going to get into. Miles Barrio is a published author, renowned photographer, and real estate investor. He started his entrepreneurial journey in college to escape working three jobs as a full-time student. Miles learned the art of it's not about what happens to you, but what you do with what happens to you. Generating over $100,000 in six months, investing in real estate during the COVID pandemic, Miles continues to endure through failures and setbacks as a new amputee from a drunk driving head-on collision. Miles is a father, a husband, a mentor, and more importantly, a friend that encourages and empowers. Miles, welcome to the show. How's it going? How's it going? Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here and being willing willing to share your story. So tell us a little about yourself. Um, for those who don't know you, where are you from? And tell me about what you do in real estate. Yeah, yeah. So I'm 28 years old. Uh, I live in Greenville, South Carolina. And I am originally from Panama, Central America. We kind of talked a little about this. My dad's from Panama. My dad's Hispanic. My mom is from Montego Bay, Jamaica. Um, so definitely lived in a very multicultural background, but that also sort of added to the experience of an immigrant lifestyle. You know, I just kind of came from a very humble beginnings. Parents didn't really make a ton of money. So kind of like you said, I was in college and, you know, money was something that was taught as it's very hard to get, very difficult to make money. And then when you do have money, you know, really hold on to it. And, you know, I also was taught in order to make a lot of money, you have to work really, really, really hard. And a, a lot of that looked like getting a job and getting another job and another job. So yeah, I ended up with three jobs in college just to kind of make a long story short. Did really, really well. I was at UGA. Didn't finish the last two years because I was traveling a ton with that organization and that business. Um, but it led me to Atlanta where I ended up becoming a uh, wedding and commercial photographer, traveled all over the world. I've been to uh, Malaysia, Thailand, Singapore, Belize. My wife and I, our honeymoon was in Belize because I had to shoot a wedding in Belize. So I just had a great career, shot for Netflix on Love is Blind, a lot of awesome, really cool things. Then just to fast forward to about last year, 
COVID hit, right? So it didn't really matter how cool you were or how awesome life was or whatever you're doing. I mean, I don't think anybody saw that coming. I definitely did definitely did not. I had just gotten married, just had a baby, and then just COVID hits. Just so crazy. So literally my business just literally stopped overnight. Like literally, not that's not exaggeration. I mean, no one was meeting up obviously to, you know, do photography and you know, you couldn't shoot at venues. Everything was shut down. So And the crazy thing too, is like, not only did my business just stop overnight, it's kind of like, you know, when you're a wedding photographer, commercial photographer, you get booked like in advance, like the, you like, you kind of see where money's coming for the rest of the calendar year, but everyone was so uncertain about what was going on. They just rescheduled everything to the like following year. So not only did everything stop literally for the rest of the year, no matter what, everything was already rebooked for the year coming. So it's like, now you're not, I don't know what I'm going to do even for the rest of the entire year, even if COVID decided to like, you know, or even if everything decided to open back up, everything was already rescheduled. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do for a whole year? So, but basically I, I came across a YouTube video about wholesaling real estate. And that's how I got into real estate. I had always wanted to get in real estate, but I, I was always taught that uh, real estate's for old folks and uh, <laughs> individuals that have, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 plus, you know, saved up cash, you know, ready to buy a house and invest and things like that. I, I didn't really know you could get involved into real estate the way you can through wholesaling. But so that was, that was kind of my introduction. Super. When I heard about wholesaling, I was like, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm not doing it. It's like, this is amazing. It's crazy because you didn't even know about wholesaling. You were just traveling the world as this amazing photographer. By the way, guys, he did just say he, he shot at Love is Blind. Anybody watch that show? Because I did. <laughs> oh, you watch it? Okay, cool. Through the pandemic, okay? That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I totally watched that show. That was definitely pandemic. What I call it like pandemic 1.0 when it was like really shut down. That was oh, the yeah. show that kept me sane. So oh, yeah. that's incredible. So you had this incredible career but it got taken away from you. And now you're going, oh my gosh, how am I going to make money? And you just stumbled on a YouTube video. Do you remember what the video was? Like who was on that video? So it's, it's actually kind of funny. So it was actually a YouTube channel. I got to remember the name. Uh, Oh yeah. So it's called the breakfast club. I don't know if you know what that is, but Uh anyway, it's for anyone who knows what the breakfast club is. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because they don't really interview like real estate investors and things like that. It's honestly geared towards more like entertainers and just, it's, okay. so basically my life is full of just like personal development and grow, 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 and just development and development spiritually, mentally, physically. But I think you have to give yourself the ability to stimulate your mind in other ways. Sometimes we get so much on this like wheel of grow, 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 grow. And we don't really appreciate art and appreciate just where we are and fun things and exciting things. And not always just like, how do I grow my physical, you know, uh, physical life or spiritual life or, you know, financial life. So I really watch or listen to the breakfast club as more of like an outlet to just stimulate creativity and fun, just interesting things, you know, with people in the entertainment space, they happen to be interviewing this guy because like the channel has grown like immensely. It's huge now. I mean, million followers. Like, I mean, it's, it's a huge channel. So I see they're obviously trying to add value to all the people that are watching. You know, you, that's kind of like the hook, you know, get people interested by like just the entertainment and fun and creative stuff. But, you know, let's add some education to it as well now to add value to people's lives in that way. Um, so they had just interviewed this guy who was in real estate or at least doing wholesaling. And of course, kind of the, you know, standard pitch we all hear, you know, making money with, you know, making money in real estate with, you know, not using any of your own credit or using any of your own money. And just like, I'm like, what, how, how are you doing this? Not using, you know, your own money or credit or any of this stuff. 
And uh, he explained the concept of, you know, being able to obviously assign the rights to purchase a you know, property with wholesaling. And I was like, Oh my God, that's like every, that's everything though. And I've done a number of businesses. Like I've started a food truck business. I've done drop shipping. I actually just recently sold an e-commerce store. I mean, I've done all types of things. So I understood like the idea of wholesaling, like the t-shirts, the, the, sh- the hat you're wearing right now. Like, obviously if you bought like a $20 hat from H and M, they didn't buy it for $20, right? They bought it at a wholesale price for like five. Right. And they're selling it to you for 20 and they're making that 15 in the middle. Like that's everything. When you buy a car, right. like same thing. It's like, but we don't think about like real estate, like, like a house that, that like you can do that. So I was just, man, I was like, this is crazy. So I, I got super stoked about it. And yeah, the rest is kind of history. So you went, you just went all in. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you bring up that the wholesaling is in other industries because people say is wholesaling a goal. <clears throat> And yeah, so funny. everything yeah, yeah. is wholesaling, like everything wholesaling is, wholesaling. is behind everything. every industry. You just don't realize everything. it. So oh, yeah. that is interesting. You bring that up. And I love that you tried other businesses so you can compare how wholesaling, you know, meets up. I often say wholesaling is like the ultimate side hustle, you know, as far oh, as how much money that you can make. I mean, you can make <laughs> yes. money, you know, in a short amount of time. So if oh, you're yeah. looking for a side hustle that, you know, there's the Amazon businesses I've heard of drop shipping. Oh yeah. Uh, but how would you say, I mean, compared to all these things that you did, would you say it's, wholesaling is? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it just, it just doesn't even, I mean, it obviously teach its own, everyone has their own like way of how they work. You know, some people just, yeah, I'll just say that. But me personally, I'll just say it's like by far, it just doesn't even compare because like, even if you think about, like, I have a number of buddies, like, I don't really do a lot of FBA or like drop shipping or any of that. Like I said, I just sold my, I had a pet portrait store and I sold an e-commerce store, but like, I have friends who still make, you know, great money, but it's still very management intensive. And it's the same thing with like every business, any, a lot of businesses, even like, you know, food truck, I've been in the you know food industry. I mean, of course, super management intensive, but even on top of that, you're talking about products and uh, inventory and overhead and all these different things. And I, I, I don't, there, there's so many businesses out there that you can think of that just take a very long time to grow at the scale that it grows to. But then once you like get there, it's still very management intensive. And the cool thing about wholesaling is like literally one deal could change the rest of your life to where it's like you can't really, it, you don't really get into drop shipping and then like, you know, one day it just changes, you know what I mean? Like, it's like a very long journey to grow or something. Yeah. Like, you know, you write a book and it really takes time for you to make anything really, you know, off of having a book. If that's even what you decide to do, you, you know, start a store downtown in your city or at, you know, somewhere locally, like, I mean, oh my gosh, all of the overhead and risk and just, you know, furnishing the store, getting the store set up and, you know, employee, I mean, all these different things. I mean, literally you could get started in wholesaling, and not know anything about real estate, like as a just general concept, like just just, yeah. just different terms, things like that. Just understand the basic fundamentals of having a conversation with a seller who really needs to sell their house and work to solve their problem by helping them understand that their property can sell at this price mm-hmm. and get it under contract and literally find someone who's willing to buy that, that property, that contract for a little bit more even if, even if it's like $5,000 more, which in the wholesaling industry is like, which is crazy. is like on the low end, right? I mean, there's tons of people that are doing like 10,000 on average plus, even when you first get started, but still just even just add 5,000 to it. And you can literally make like five grand within the next, you know, two to three weeks when it closes. 
and completely change like the trajectory of your, like, especially if you're yeah. struggling and just don't have, you know what I mean? So it's crazy. Yeah. And, and, and also, I mean, when you bring up other businesses, like I have a background in franchise development for a very well-known sandwich restaurant. I'm not going to drop Ooh, yes. and, <laughs> and, you know, we sold franchises and I personally know, you know, how much these restaurants cost to start up. Cause these were like yeah. aspiring entrepreneurs and they got into a, you know, buying into a franchise and right. these people had to spend at least minimum $250,000. to build the restaurant. Yep. And then honestly, on average, they were making like 45,000, 50,000 a year. Yeah. Yeah. And you can make way more money with wholesaling and not have to drop that type of money. I personally started this business with no money. I I had a credit card. That was it. I had a Capital One credit card. I put my marketing budget on that. And I just knew like, I'm going to make it happen. I'll be able to pay it back. So it's amazing. You know, I love that you brought in your perspective of that. You actually have done other businesses and this is like the ultimate side hustle for the most amount of money at a time with the least amount of investment. Yeah. Um, so let's move on. So you got into your, you're like COVID, you know, the universe handed it to you already with COVID, but we all got handed oh, yeah. that one, right? Oh yeah, for sure. But you were like, oh, okay, I'm going to make something happen fast. It's amazing yeah. that you had the foresight to know like, this is going to be not a couple of weeks. This is going to be a problem. So I better get into something. So yeah. you jumped, you got into wholesaling and you were doing wholesaling for you know, uh, it's what you said, six months and you made a hundred. It was like six to seven months. Yeah. It was six to seven months. So yeah. So basically, and I'm not going to go through, I don't want to take up too much of the time here, but basically like, I just know like the whole schedule. Cause it was just wild. Like literally your timeline, January is when I heard about it, studied wholesaling for all of January, February is when I started like just, you know, doing the whole marketing in terms of really driving for dollars. Cause again, I didn't have a ton of money. I didn't have like SMS and cold callers and all this sure. stuff that we hear about today. I literally was just driving for dollars. Long story short, at the end of the February, in the February is when I contracted my first uh, two properties. It ended up being two. I'm not going to go too much into of that, but it ended up happening in February, March. So March is when my first two deals ended up, clo- or sorry, the first deal closed in the middle of March. And then the next one closed in April. And they were both, and I still have those pictures and checks and follow lines. Literally both of them were $11,000. So we're talking about 20, like $22,000, oh you know, within the next like 30 days or January, February, like next 60 days, which is like, I mean, insane. I mean, I had never made, I mean, even in my probably highest earned job in or business, you know, I could make maybe like four or 5,000 for like a commercial gig photography wise or for a wedding, 35, $4,500, something like that. But you know, $20,000, you know, it's just in yeah. your, I had never made that kind of money, especially at my age and things like that. So totally just yeah, went all out. And then for the next six to seven months. So, and that's the thing I didn't do for that first six to seven months, I didn't do a lot of transactions. I had very big spreads. And I tell people, even today, my business has changed a little bit. And we can maybe go into that. My, my models change a little bit now today, but even I would say up till maybe two to three months ago, I still don't do a lot of transactions. I just have really big spreads. I'm really, really good at building relationships with sellers and really good at being able to just get good deals. You know, I, I, I definitely agree that, or I believe that good deals aren't always found they're created. You know, I mean, there's been a number of deals where, uh, wholesalers were talking to the seller and I just knew this cause we, you know, finished the whole transaction, but and they would kind of tell me what was going on and they either, you know, couldn't complete the transaction or just let it go or whatever the case was. And I was able to get the deal done and 
get two X, three X, you know, in terms of like whatever that profit was. So I'm a big believer, you know, everyone's model is different, but I, yeah. I like to kind of keep them small and bigger spread. So. Well, driving for dollars, it's interesting that you made driving for dollars work. So it's not something that I teach. I never really had a whole lot of luck with driving for dollars, What I've been right. using. So I use an app called deal machine. Do you yep, use the same one? Yeah. Yes. So that was, well, that was the app. Yeah. Was yeah. that the app? Okay. So driving yeah, for yeah. dollars, guys, if you're thinking of doing it, don't even mess around with a piece of a pad, a pen yeah. and paper. Yeah. You're just going to get in a car accident. Okay. Oh yeah. Instead, right. Instead, <laughs> just get this app. It's called deal machine. It's it, go to your Apple iTunes or wherever you get your apps from on your phone. Uh, my code TMF Tom, Mary Frank will get you $10 off per month. It's an amazing app. And I use it where I live because I'm trying to find a beach house and I live in a <laughs> beach community and there's all these old homes and I want to do like a development deal. So I've been using it personally, um, but I don't use it in my wholesale company because I'm virtual. So my business is, you know, in Oklahoma, I have, I'm in a couple other States and it's hard to drive for dollars when you're virtual. I've had, I've tried hiring people to do it, but I don't like trust what they're doing. I think that driving for dollars is an amazing way when you have absolutely no money. So how can someone with zero, zero money, they use driving for dollars? Just give a quick 90 second breakdown, how you can drive for dollars to get your first deal in. Yeah. I mean, I I don't even need 90 seconds. I mean, it's really simple. I mean, you literally just get in your car, you know, find areas that you know, have distressed properties or just make it simple. Just when you are going to the store, when you're going places that you already you know, are going, just kind of keep your eye open. And if you see a property that looks a little distressed, literally that's how you can drop it dollars for zero money. I mean, just literally take down that address and, you know, um, we could go into the details of skip tracing, but there's websites where you can skip trace even for free. You know, I use true people search. Doesn't mean it's always as accurate, but Hey, it's free. That's kind yeah. of the trade off on there. And I mean, you can literally find your first deal doing that. So that's crazy. Okay. So, and how many, do you have like a recommended amount of, if you were intentionally driving for dollars, how many should you get a day? So, and so that's the thing. So I, like you said, I didn't have a lot of luck actually with driving for dollars and I still haven't had a ton of luck. A lot of my business is actual virtual as well. And I understand what you mean by hiring. It took me like three individuals to hire the right person that actually scaled the business really well with using the deal machine app. But in terms of like how many you should a day, it's so hard to quantify that because I, I we didn't really go over necessarily the KPIs because this yeah. the guy that I ended up hiring ended up being an acquisitions manager for me pretty quickly on. So I'll just say if you do it consistent enough, you can for sure find a good deal. I mean, it's really just about being consistent. I mean, that's all it is. It's hard yeah. to quantify a specific number. Yeah, no, driving for dollars is something I'm like, if you have absolutely no marketing budget, right, do right. It, but it's not something that I like, I'm like, go do it. Like if you have yeah, yeah. money to market, I have other ways where you can get for like, sure. real lists and, you know, but sure. it does, there is some investment. A lot of people don't have that. So it's right. cool that, you know, you at least know driving for dollars, you know, it does get deals. So I just wanted to kind of review that. So you yeah. got your first few deals now take me to where, what happens next? Yeah. Yeah. So again, heard about wholesaling in January, seven months later had literally just on the dot cleared like a hundred thousand. My last deal was like a $30,000 wholesale deal and then got hit by a drunk driver. And it was in October. Um, and basically was fighting for my life. Like pretty much the doctors kind of, I mean, 
figured I just, I honestly wasn't going to make it. I had what's called compartment syndrome on all of my limbs. That's usually something that only happens on maybe like one of your limbs. And it basically just means your muscles get so inflamed that they die, which is why my leg ended up having to get amputated. And um, a lot of people that ended up getting their leg amputated, they usually have like a leg amputated or something like that. But I actually still have tons of persisting injuries that I'm still dealing with. So my quote unquote good leg the ankle has foot drop. So I have to wear a brace on that leg. And then my arm, my left arm has lost all function and they took out a ton of muscle out of that arm. So I don't have any movement in my fingers. So it was, I mean, it's just been crazy amount of injuries, but yeah, I was in the hospital for like a month and a half, literally just learning how to, I mean, there's a feeding tube and the whole nine yards, you know, and critical care and everything like that. And had to just learn how to talk eat, walk, dress myself, everything again. And then was in intensive rehab for the next like three months. So what is that? Like, yeah, about four and a half or so months. So then about five months total, about two, yeah, about two months ago is when I finally was able to kind of get back to like really living life the way I could like get on calls again and just like go to properties. And, um, and it doesn't mean anything's gotten easier. It's still more of a mindset that's pushing me to do it all. Cause it just, I mean, it's still obviously very challenging every single day just to you know, kind of do the basic things. Like if I were to get up right now, just to go get water, it's, that's, it's actually kind of hard. So. Wow. Wow. That's, I mean, and this is definitely where the story takes a turn. I mean, you were high on life. You just made a hundred thousand dollars in this new business and you know, your life changes in an instant. Do you remember the accident? Yeah. It's so funny. Everyone always asks that question, which is it's so it's, it's great, but um, no, I mean, you're, the impact is so just heavy. I mean, it's, I mean, you're pretty much like not even coherent and just don't really know what's going on. So the individual I think was going like 93 or 92 miles per hour and just literally all the impact just head on. So, I mean, you just black, I mean, you're just, you're not really awake. Um, I do remember like flashing lights here and there. Um, but the only thing I remember is waking up and there being like a doctor in front of me and my family members and me having like a feeding tube. I couldn't really speak or say anything. And basically them just asking like, you know, Hey, we have to get consent. Like, you know, for you to be able to survive, we're, we're basically going to have to amputate your leg. And I just kind of had either nod yes to that or oh just God. say no. Cause obviously they can't just force that on you. You have to agree to that. So I just, you know, I just remember waking up and just having to respond to that. And just like, yeah, I, I guess if, if, we, if that's what we have to do is we got to, you know, we got to do what we have to do. So yeah, wow, that's kind of really wow. I couldn't even imagine having to consent to that. That's, oh, yeah. that's, that's pretty heavy. <laughs> and yeah. so then what is your next memory <clears throat> after that? Yeah. My next memory after that wasn't the most pleasant, honestly, unfortunately, um, just in anyone who's been in the ICU or just been in the hospital, that kind of credit. I mean, obviously, and I'm not going to go into all the details that hospitals do what they can, but unfortunately just, you know, anyone that I've even talked to that's ever been to ICU, we all agree. It's just, it's definitely a place you want to leave as fast as possible. It just, it just wasn't fun. It just wasn't, it just, it just wasn't a great experience. A lot of pain, especially in my condition too, obviously, like I'm pretty much all of my limbs are wrapped up, but you know, and I, I mean, you know, to make it more real for everyone, I guess, just so maybe I really encourage someone if they feel like they're having a bad day. I mean, literally even just, uh, it may be TMI, but I mean, Hey, it is what it is. It's life. People deal with that. It's like literally even going to the bathroom, like for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. The only way for me to go to bathroom was like, they had to use like, what do they call it? Um, something, I forgot. I even forgot the word, something pan, but it's basically like, they literally just like tilt me over and put like a, oh, it's called a bedpan. 
Yeah. I literally just put a, a pan under you for you to be able to like go to the restroom and then like, you, like they roll you back over on the pan and that's obviously really painful as well, but you have to pretty much go in the pan and it's like, you feel everything. And it's just like, you're kind of in your own stuff. And then they like, you know, roll you back over and then clean you as much as they can. And that's like, you know, how you go to the restroom. That's like one example of how that can be. And it's just, you know, I mean, it was just crazy. It's crazy to think that I went through all of that, but um, yeah, it's just day in and day out, you know? So in, in, was there any moment during this time that you felt sorry for yourself? Because most, if you guys look at his Instagram, by the way, he is like smiling ear to ear in every photo energy (laughs) and positivity radiating. Was there, it's hard to imagine, but was there a moment in that period where you were upset about what happened and feeling, you know, down about your situation? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I would definitely say there was a moment where I definitely felt like just like, dang, like why did, you know, just like, why did this happen to me? This is crazy. Um, but it was very short lived. Anyone who knows me just knows that like I preach it all the time. Uh, it's not what happens to you. It's about what you do with what happens to you. And it's really true. And I'm just so thankful that I got involved in network marketing at a young age because personal development was a big part of my success, um, in network marketing and really just my life and my faith. And the reality is, is everything is perspective. So yes, my situation was really lame. It just really sucked that that happened. Like, I don't even like drinking. I, I never, any of my friends, if they're listening to this, they know I, I've never drink. I don't even drink uh, for reasons like this, obviously. And for this to happen, you know, it just, you, you just kind of like, ah, dude, like, why did this happen to me? But you realize like, even though this was so lame and this really sucked, like, I know it sounds kind of like, wow, come on, Miles. I mean, give yourself a break, but it's true. There are people who are going through even more challenging things than what I went through and are still going through. And the reality is, is it can always be worse. And it is true. I mean, I could have, I mean, my wife could be a widow, you know, right now, you know, a baby and, you know, just go, I mean, let's not even go down that, that route, or I could even still be alive, but have like crazy spinal injury to where like, I'm like really, yeah, really not even that coherent and just kind of, you know, it it could just be really, really bad. So the very first thing I did was bring myself to faith, understanding that uh, at the end of the day, I'm a believer, son of God, and that's just my faith. And what does that mean for me? What that means for me is that I need to understand that this lady who hit me, she made a mistake. At the end of the day, she just made a mistake because uh, there was another interview I did and they asked me, how do I feel about her? You know, because most people assume you're going to be angry and mad at her. I've never been upset with her or angry at her. I've totally just forgiven her because the reality is we've all made mistakes. I've made mistakes. Now, I may not have ever had someone go to the hospital and have their leg amputated, but maybe I've done it emotionally. They have had someone spiritually be amputated, emotionally be amputated. You know, we've all hurt one another in different ways. What makes her mistake, you know, better or worse than anyone else's? We all make mistakes and hurt people. And the reality is she's a human being and just, yeah, like, you know, made a mistake. So that's the reason we have forgiveness. And for me, that's the reason why Jesus forgave us for what we've done. And that's the faith, you know, that I have. And it just allowed me to forgive her and just like not focus on that. Just know that, hey, she made a mistake. She's a human being. Because like I said, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do. Cause like right now, even if I were to be upset with her, does that change my situation? No, it doesn't really change my situation. Now what can change my situation is actually being totally positive in the sense of I can use this. So I think people sort of misinterpret what it means to be, you know, super positive and like motive, you know, even though something he's like, gosh, come on, dude, really? You're like that. Like you, you have to have been angry and upset. It doesn't mean you're not upset and you don't feel like, gosh, this really sucked. What it means is you just have a better perspective. You have positivity in the sense that you can still make life great. 
So it doesn't mean that my life is necessarily easier, but it also means that my life is still worth it. So what I have to do is now use this. Mm-hmm. And most people don't realize that all the pain that they go through can, can become a purpose for their life. And um, you can utilize that to impact others and empower others. And that was what allowed me to get through what I was going through is not focusing on the thing, but focusing on what it can do for others. Because when you stop focusing on you and you start realizing, man, everybody's fighting a battle. Mine might be a little bit more physical, but everybody's fighting some kind of battle, even if you can't see it. So I have an opportunity right now to empower, to inspire, and to really help someone go, man, I didn't give up, dude, because I saw your story or I heard, and it's, it's happened over and over and over again. And that's, you know, that being most of I'm just saying that's the truth. Like it's the reality. Like it's happened to me over and over and over that people are impacted in a positive way when you can do that. doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it, it is possible. And it, it, there's a beautiful reward, you know, when you can do that. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, I mean, your radical forgiveness is, I mean, honestly, very, very inspiring. It had me thinking of, you know, people that maybe I haven't forgiven, you know, and, mm-hmm. and going, yeah. oh, you forgave someone for something that really changed the trajectory of your life. And I've probably, I think we all have some people, maybe we've held a little grudge with, and right. that's, that, uh, definitely hit me <laughs> for sure. Um, and, and yeah, your pain can be your purpose. That's really, really powerful. So you know, you're in the hospital, you're, you're doing a lot of probably self-talk and, and going, okay, what, what am I going to do with this situation? Right. In moments like that, where you're taken away from your work, like I imagine putting myself in there, like in your situation and going, oh my gosh, I'm a mom. Like who's going to take care of my kids. I have tons of YouTube videos. I got to film. I've got, you know, mm-hmm. store marketing that needs to come out. I don't have time to be in the hospital right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Was there, was there a moment of sort of like, like, did you try to work even though, you know, like you couldn't, and you needed to heal. Did you at all try to work? Yeah, no, I, I didn't. For yeah. me, I think, I think what's important is understanding where you are is where you are. And trust me, it's a natural response to be like, I don't have time. Like I have people to take care of. And look, I I got married. I had two children, you know, I was right there as as well. But the reality is, is like, that's what causes the anxiety is feeling like, you know, you need to do something in a position that you're not in right now. Like I'm not in the position to be the one that's bringing home the money and building my business and doing all these things. And that's okay. What's important is knowing where I am and what can I do right now that will best suit me for where I'm going. Mm. And that's where we have to do is we have to start living, not necessarily in the past or always living so much in the future, but realizing we only have right now because see tomorrow's not here and yesterday is already gone. Literally you are where you are. So what I had to do is go, how can I mentally develop an attitude that would best suit me as I move forward? And what that actually looked like is not focusing on work, not focusing on who I needed to take care of, but the fact that I needed to be taken care of. So what can I do for myself? So I started to actually spend a lot of time walking through having a better perspective of what's going on. And what I mean by that is when you're in the hospital, there's usually a TV in the room. I told my nurses and I kept telling them, don't turn the TV on. I spent days just sitting there in silence. Mm-hmm. That's scary for people. You're just sitting. I don't, no, no, no. Just, I need distraction. I don't want to think about what happened. Or you're just angry, which is another version of distraction. 
because the reality is, is you got to deal with what happened because it is what happened. You can't change that. If I want to go work more, do other things, the reality is I can't, I am where I am. So how do I have a better perspective and mindset of where I am? And that's what I ended up doing. And that's what allowed me to have the mindset of what I'm having right now, sharing with you about how I look at, you know, the lady who hit me or how I look at my life and how it has purpose and all these different things that all came from spending time in that moment. And that's the only way you can actually add that value to yourself. Because if you wait for someone else to do that for you, if you wait to listen to a podcast or if you wait to go to a convention, what if that never happens? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So you got to learn to really walk through that yourself. Right. So that's kind of what I ended up doing. And I was able to mentally strengthen, strengthen myself and then everything else will follow. Now, when I do have a phone call to make, or I do have work in front of me that I can do, I have the right mindset and I'm not struggling regret or anger or all these different things. I took care of that when I was where I was. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that really does put things into perspective because I I feel like sometimes I even put so much pressure on myself to constantly be working or to constantly like do the impossible when you're just not in that state. Like imagine maybe if you're like a new mom right now and you're trying to start a business, but you also have like a newborn. That's maybe like relevant to me when I remember being, um, there was a state where I, there was a a season for me where I had a newborn and I had a Mm -hmm. two-year-old and I was trying to make my business work. And I was really taking, I was putting a lot of stress on myself unnecessarily. I was taking attention away from my children when really I should have just said where I am is where I am right now. And I should maybe just put the business on pause for five months. What would you can always come back to it? You know, like what's five months, you know, I'm never going to get that time back with my newborn, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I'd love to, I'd love to speak really quick. Sorry about that idea that you'll never get that time back. One of the things that I utilize to lead my life is understanding what I can get back and what I can't. And for me, it's time. And then that ties into certain values that fall under that. So for example, my wife allows me to work my butt off every day, Monday through Friday for when I wake up and I go to the gym and I get my mind in the right way. And then I work like right now, it's like 3 p.m. where I'm at and I'm going to work until about 4.35-ish and then I'm going to stop. And I, but when I'm working, I'm working. And where I mean by this is on the weekends, I don't do work at all. Mm -hmm. So when it comes Saturday, Sunday, Friday, I'm not taking calls. I'm not trying to answer emails. I'm not trying to build my business. I'm okay. Not making an extra 5,000, 10,000. If there are $50,000 on the table, why? Because I know I can always make another 50,000, but I can't always make the family that I have again, because that's the family that I have my wife, my kids, the time that passes by chasing another dollar, I can never get back, but I can always get another dollar. So it's really important to build your lifestyle first and then build your business around that. Most people will build a business and then a lifestyle comes out with that. So that's why, you know, as your business grows, you get the nicer car, the nicer house, the nice, everything keeps following the business growing. But then what happens is that's where we end up when there's a situation where you can't pay your mortgage anymore. You can't pay your car. You know, you, you have all these, all these things and stuff that didn't meet what your values were from the beginning. And you want to make sure that your, your business actually revolves around your lifestyle. You'll be a lot happier. So could I make more money? I could, but I'm not letting my business drive my lifestyle. My lifestyles. I want to spend time with my family. I got into this because I want to spend time with the people I love and I want to have time for them to do all these things. So I'm okay. Putting things on pauses, celebrating, taking, you know, a day, not working at all, 
taking a day off, just stopping and doing different things because my lifestyle is what's important first. And that allows me to make decisions now that can make me actually happy and joyful rather than just being stressed and anxiety driven and always kind of being in this sort of rat race and wheel of the next dollar. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. I got into this business the same reason. I just wanted to be able to like be home with my kids. I didn't want like the corporate life. I wanted to be able to like go to the park at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. Like that was my goal. I wanted to pick up my kids from school. So I never was chasing the dollar. I was very much, I'm very much into lifestyle design as well. So I love that, you know, you touched on that. Um, But you know, the anxiety in me, like I always have this pressure to like keep working and keep, keep going. And sometimes I do need to just say where I am is where I am right now. Like I'm, you know, and this can apply to anything, health issues, like, you know, easy on yourself, like where you are is where you are. I love that quote. I'm going to be using that a lot. Quote. Yeah. Where you are is where you are. Oh, you're But, and to encourage people too, that have that number, just understand two things. Number one, when you have this sort of, man, I need to do more, I need to do more. Like that's natural. Uh, especially if you're someone who who has visions, who has goals. So if you're listening to this right now, don't feel bad. What you want to do is you want to have foundation. Because see, everything falls under foundation. You can have this beautiful home, but then if there's no foundation, what's having a great home if the foundation is, and especially for real estate, we understand, you know, the, we understand how horrible it can be to have a bad foundation. So the foundation for you is just boundaries. Most people don't have boundaries. They don't have boundaries in their relational life. You know, they go have lunch or dinner with people. They probably shouldn't. They're texting the opposite sex at a certain time. They probably shouldn't. You know, for my wife and I, we, we communicate with people and we'll put them in a group message, right? We just create boundaries. We don't even allow things to happen. So moving back into just this mindset of like, man, I just feel like I need to do more. I feel that all the time. Like I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm being very honest. Even as you and I are talking right now, I'm slightly sometimes battling. Like I need to get on that call with this guy. I need to do this thing real quick. And I'm like, you know, but what I do is I, I create boundaries for myself to understand that number one, that that just means I'm a very driven individual. You really don't want the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Where you really just don't care and you're just lethargic and you're lazy, you just have no goal, no. Vi- I mean, that's hard to come out of, right? But for someone who's driven and passionate, that's what moves life forward. That's why we have Tesla. That's why we have Uber. You know, that's why we have you know all these different things in the world because of those individuals. But what you want to do is, like I said, just create boundaries for yourself so you're not overwhelmed and allowing that to drive your life. You know, I love it. I feel like I'm I'm getting, by the way, like a little personal coaching. <laughs> Oh, stop. So oh, I love it though. I'm like, I'm like getting a lot out of this right now, Miles. Oh, dude, you're, that's means like the world. You're awesome. I love I it. Am totally inspired by you. Like, this is like, know, this is like, a, like a fly on the wall to like a, a life coaching <laughs> session with Lauren Hardy. Oh, and that's so funny. I, that's I love so funny. it. So after you get out of the hospital and you are finally feeling you know, ready to start working. Did you get back into wholesaling? I did. I did. I did get back into wholesaling and I'll just let people know too. This is obviously wholesaling Inc. And we're obviously excited about wholesaling. We're talking about wholesaling, but I just, I do want to encourage people. I did get back into wholesaling, but I very quickly changed a lot of my business because I, I myself, and this is okay. If you are wholesaling and you do consider yourself a wholesaler, there's nothing wrong. I'm just going to challenge you to think a little bigger because when I thought of myself as a wholesaler, it not only limited what I was what I was able to do in real estate, it actually also limited how I could serve the people that I was working, meaning sellers, homeowners, because not every deal is a wholesale deal. 
There are a lot of times where the seller is just asking for too much, but that deal could be a deal if you understood creative finance. Mm-hmm. You're, like right now, right now I'm literally, and that's actually why I'm getting this call. If you guys don't know, Lauren's like laughing right now because like the thing keeps cutting out because I keep getting a call from an individual right now. I'm actually in the middle of buying a property subject to mm-hmm. the, the property. The And I'll walk this really quickly. Basically the value of this property is worth totally renovated ARV. If you guys are in wholesale, you know, ARV totally renovated is worth about $90,000. This guy's asking for basically 75 to $80,000, but it needs about 10 to $15,000 of work. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can wholesale that. There's no way you can wholesale. He's asking for too much. There's not enough equity. There's not enough room, but here's the thing. Him and his wife, they're going through a divorce. He gave his wife the opportunity to buy the house from him. She has until August. This is current right now what's happening. She has, what is this, July 19th? She has until August 1st to buy this house because she loves this house. They have kids. She doesn't want them to have to move, have to find a new school, all these different things, but he wants out. He wants to be done. He wants to move on. It's his house though. So he's letting her buy it from her. She's been trying to get qualified for a mortgage and she can't. She's tried over and over and over and over and over again. I just got the text from like three or four days ago. The last time she tried to qualify, it was like going to be the last time she was going to be able to do this. And she got denied again. So she just won't be able to get a traditional mortgage, which actually guys happens to a lot of people, right? This is why creative finance is so important. But so what I ended up explaining to him and through a number of conversations, I will, you know, to save time, I won't go through it all. Here's what I'm actually about to do. So I'm actually going to be buying this property at the price that he wants, actually for 80,000, but I'm going to be buying it subject to. So now I don't need to come up $80,000 cash. Buying the property subject to allows me to take over the mortgage payments, which are about $490 a month. What's going to happen now is he wants about $15,000 in equity. I'm going to give him even more. It, allows, it allowed me to just get the deal done and him not to you know, shop around and work with anyone else. And I can give him more up front because now I only need to come to the closing table with $20,000 cash because I don't have to pay the full $80,000, right? Or get private money for the full $80,000, right? So now I come to the closing table with $20,000 cash. I now just bought a property worth $90,000 on terms subject to, because there's already financing in place subject to the existing mortgage. Now, how does that benefit me though, Miles? Well, the the mortgage payments are $490 a month. This is how you can serve people when you have creative finance. Well, his wife, his ex-wife wants to stay into the property. Mm. She can't afford it. So what I said is, let me sell a property to your wife on terms. Uh Now that I own the property, I'm going to owner finance it to her. Guess what she's going to put down? $20,000. $15,000 or $20,000. $15,000 down. So let's just say she puts, we're in the middle of all this. We haven't confirmed it'll be the 20, but let's say $15,000 down to be able to buy the house for me. And I'm not going to go through all the numbers, but let's say we do $15,000 down on a 30 year schedule at, I don't know, eight, 9% and her payments are going to be more than that $490 a month because we're going to back in to what the rent would be in that area. I'm not going to go through all the details of that, but let's just say, let's just say it's a thousand dollars a month is what she's paying a, a month. Okay. Now, I am able to buy a property for $5,000. And let's say, let's say she couldn't even put $15,000 down. Let's say she could only put $10,000. I still need to bring $10,000 to the table. Because remember, what I owe him is $20,000. What she owes me is $10,000. So where's that $10,000 going to come from? A couple ways. It can come from $10,000 that you have saved. Or, and this is how what you hear people buying properties with no money into the deal. I have spent a lot of time raising private money. So that's going to come from someone else. There's a lot of people that I've been able to build relationships with. And I say, look, man, your money's sitting in a retirement account 
or your money you've saved up and it's just sitting there, it's losing value. If anybody you know right now has money sitting in a bank account, it's actually losing value because of the rate of inflation. They're getting nothing in interest right now. So how can you help someone earn 8, 9, 10, 11% interest on their money? Then that's how you can do it. So now I'm going to grab someone who, can, who has that $10,000. They're going to wire it to closing. That $10,000 will come into closing. $20,000 will, or sorry, $20,000 will be at closing. And $10,000 will, $20,000 will go to the, the, to the original owner. She's going to give me the actual you know, $10,000 to owner finance. And then that spread in between is how you can make the cash flow. Now, when we originally had that conversation, she wasn't able to put ten dollars to $15,000 down. Mm-hmm. So I'll kind of finish it off with this. She's actually going to rent then for the next year for her to save up. So now I can actually have a rent as well. So the rent in that area is around $950 to $1,000 a month. And here's what's beautiful. Because she already lives in the property, I won't have to do any type of renovations, any type of repairs. Literally nothing will change. It's all paper and contracts. She's just going to stay in the house, but now she'll owe me $1,000 a month. What I owe the bank is four ninety dollars because I bought the property on the term subject to. Mm-hmm. But then obviously the private money, where does that $20,000 come from? Again, use private money. So I'm going to raise private money and I've already done the numbers on this. So $20,000 at 9% basically ends up being, I think it was around 160 something dollars a month. You just add that to the mortgage. Because see now what I owe the bank is the 490. What I owe the private money lenders is like 160. So all in, I'm not the best at math. Let's right. just say you're all in around like six something, but the rent is like 950 to a thousand and that's how you can cash flow. And I literally spent none of my own money, but that was not going to work as a wholesale deal. Right. So anyway. Just yeah. to throw that up. No, that's amazing. And I, I, so I always say, and it's like, yeah, you're like not to talk about, you know, like anything bad about wholesaling. There's nothing wrong with, there's wholesaling. nothing wrong with wholesaling. It's a huge part of my business. Yeah. I call wholesaling the gateway drug to real estate. Yes. Investing. It's the yeah. gateway drug. It's how you learn about it. It's how right. you learn about these different strategies. It's how you learn, you know, how house flippers buy deals. Like if you're just a wholesaler, yeah. you can actually like kind of stock your deals at the end and see like what the flipper did with it. Um, you can maintain a friendship with the flipper so they can share with you. Um, you can also stock like the landlord buyers as well. Like I made a bunch of friends with guys that were doing the Burr method. That's how I learned Burr Mm. method. If you guys don't know, it's the BRRR. It's like buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. I don't know all the R's, but But I learned what the Burr method was. And I learned a lot by wholesaling deals to these people that that's what they were doing. It's it's an amazing way to get into real estate investing when you don't have any money of your own and you're newer to the business and it eliminates a lot of risk. So I think wholesaling is great. And then you learn um, how to become, I call it like, what you just explained is you're a better harvester now. So yes. if you buy, it's easy to pick the low hanging fruit, right? Which is a right. cash deal. But what right. if it's not a cash deal? Right now, the fruit is a little more, you know, it's difficult. You got to be better harvester, and that's when you learn like the tools subject to creative financing, you know. Um, that's really cool sharing that with us. No, absolutely. So, Miles, I mean, your story is so inspirational, and and thank you so much for being candid and real and and sharing with us. This is going to impact a lot of people. And I have so much respect for you um, because you went through something very difficult, but you came out of it stronger. You came out of it inspiring other people. And I, I do think a lot of your purpose was to do that, to inspire. So thank you so much. So yeah. can you share your Instagram handle in any other way you'd like people to get a hold of you? 
Yeah. I mean, Instagram is like the, one of the best ways. So just at miles, I L E S dot Berio B E R R I O. Love it. Miles. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. And guys, I hope got a lot out of that. I know I did. Um, If you guys are interested in following Miles, make sure you find him on Instagram and make sure you guys find me if you're interested in learning more about virtual wholesaling. Check out my coaching program at www.virtualinvestingmastery.com. All right, so much. We'll see you next time. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.